Socialites, and welcome back to the Social Studies Podcast, the podcast where we study being social by being social. Today's episode is brought to you by tattoos. Why? Because at my Toledo show last night, I did my first ever sign a fan's body and it will then become a tattoo. Wow. Never thought I'd say the day. And then it happened. This woman came right up onto me and showed me her inner thigh. It was riddled with comedian signatures. And then she asked for mine. That's cool. Talk about feeling like a rock star. I was like, whoa, this is a first. And I'm into it. (laughs) So that's pretty cool. Shout out to everyone who came to the Columbus shows. The Cleveland shows, not Cleveland. The Cincinnati-ish shows. You know it was Liberty, but we're going to say Cincinnati. And everybody who came to the Toledo shows had a blast. It's fun. I'm glad we got the tour started. Coming up here in a couple weeks, I'm going to be in Albany, New York, Hartford, Connecticut, Tampa, Florida, Orlando, Florida, Omaha, Des Moines, Kansas City. Got a full weekend in Denver. Denver, come through for your boy. Snag up those Denver tickets, do it. San Jose, Irvine, Tempe, Washington, D.C., Richmond, Virginia Beach, Pittsburgh, Raleigh, Charlotte, Portland, Grand Rapids, Royal Oak, Kalamazoo, Tacoma, San Diego, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, San Francisco, and then a whole lot more. Come on out to a show. Get your tickets at MrDTimes3.com, MrDTimes3.com, MrDTimes3.com. Yo, I got a great guest for you guys tonight. Tonight? What do you listen to this in your bubble bath before you go to bed? I got a great guest for you guys tonight. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to bring them out for you as you put a bath bomb from Lush into your bathtub and your husband screams because it left a purple glittery ring around the tub. Did that once. Was not cute. Didn't get yelled at, though, because I got my bleach out real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, great guest, Dr. Jody Carrington. If you are not familiar, you need to be, which is why I brought her on the podcast. Great friend of mine. She is a child psychologist from Canada. She does a lot with teachers and students, and also she's hilarious which is why we're great friends. I surround myself around uh, hilarious people. What can I say? Why do I love this woman? Because she can be so funny and then she can get so serious. And I just resonate with that so much because she's so smart. She's so insightful, but is constantly keeping me laughing. I love this woman to bits. Yo, also, if you're loving the podcast, you can support the podcast by becoming a Patreon member. Patreon.com slash Joe Dombrowski. Five bucks. You get tons of bonus content of all the episodes. You get perks for coming to the live shows. There's a ton of stuff there. Thank you to everyone who is contributing to the Patreon and keeping the podcast going. Your Patreon shoutouts are coming at the end of this episode. Thank you, everyone. And again, if you want to become a Patreon member, Patreon.com slash Joe Dombrowski. Hey, without further ado... Give it up for on the Social Studies Podcast, Dr. Jody Carrington. 
Yeah, welcome to the Social Studies Podcast. My friend and um, Canadian wife, Dr. Jody Carrington. Jody! Son of a gun! Complete, can you please tell me that I am the most visited person on this podcast, like other than your mom? Oh yeah, you 100% are. You 100% are. Yeah, this is your third. I know! This is your third, this is your third time on, which is amazing. It's amazing considering the first time I had you on, we met the day before, and now we're like actual friends. <laughs> now we've actually graduated <laughs> almost into marriage. Right. The thing. Okay, oh before before I give um, Jody the proper introduction that she deserves, um, I do need to let you guys know that Jody goes live on Instagram. Is it every single morning? Yes, it was up till now, but now during the summer months, July and August, we're going to go Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays and Thursdays. And- the thing about Dr. Jody Carrington is she can take a little razzing. So she was on her live a couple days ago and I tuned in in the morning and she's got these eyelashes on that are just mad. I love them. I live for them. <laughs> but I wrote in her, I wrote in her comment section, Jody, those eyelashes look like they're going to fly away. <laughs> they look like they're going to set flight. I know you're like, if you flap hard enough, I think you're going to levitate. And I was like, you know it. <laughs> I am all about the bigger, the louder. I, I've never. I'm you're never, a Canadian Texan, I feel. I am, Joe. Yeah. I mm-hmm. feel like I, I feel so seen right now. I really, if I could have big hair and eyelashes and like bedazzle the shit out of things, like, oh. God, I just like, I've never, playing small is not in my vocabulary. And if oh, I that describes to, you so well. If I had a dime for every time people said to me, hey, you're too much. Or, shh, 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 could you, like, do you have to be so loud? I, that was, I think up until probably my late thirties, that was the thing that I struggled with the most in terms of who I am and how I show up in this world. Like I was like, fuck yeah, I'm too big for my britches. I got to take it down a notch. Like, God, I don't want to like, blah. and then now I'm like, Let's fucking dance, right? <laughs> Too much for you, motherfucker. Watch me, you know? And so it's like this fine line. I feel like I'm going to go into this other side of things. And so likely there'll be a gray area when I hit 80. But for now, wide open, full throttle. Which is why I feel like we vibe. So, okay. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Jody is a clinical child psychologist who is just making the most incredible moves with the book that she's written, Kids These Days, which go back to my older podcast, listen to it, love it. Get the freaking book. It's incredible. Um, but you are me in the psychology field, whereas you are uninhibitably and unapologetically yourself, which is what I am in the teacher space with that crossover between comedy, because I'm just over here like, hey, listen, I'm me. And if you're not into that, fantastic. Just unfollow. But if you're into it, stick around for the ride, doggy. Buck up. Buck up, Buck buttercup. Up. And I, you know what? I just feel like so much, particularly in this last year, Joe, I've learned so much because, you know, you know, I've had many conversations about this. I am the epitome of uh, privilege. I check all the boxes. My starting line was way ahead of so many people and appreciating that every single day is the thing. And, and how we do that in a space where we're, we're funny about it, where we can make sense of the trauma and the hard things in a way that is digestible for people. I think for me is really about taking humor in the times where it needs to happen Mm -hmm. and then sinking into the hard stuff. And I think some of the first times I heard you speak, it was like, I listened to all the podcasts and listened to your 
funniness, the comedy side of you. And the first times that I've ever heard you really dig into the, you know, into the emotion, into what some of those babies have meant to you, into, you know, the differences, you know, you've made in this world, you know, to uh, the LGBTQ plus, you know, 2S community, in addition to, you know, the kids that you'll never forget. Mm-hmm. And it is, I think, that rare combination that takes somebody who's really bright because I've never, ever met a dumb comedian because you you have to be. I, I just saw you look away that you're thinking about it. You're going through the like just a second. This one might be. <laughs> this one. I would be. never. Oh, my Lord. But like, but there is such an intelligence to wit and to be able to draw then not only wit, but then real issue into that platform. It's easy to be funny with no substance. But to marry those two, it, it, it's a fucking art. And you walk that line so beautifully. And I think that that is, that is the only wish for my platform, is that I'm big enough, loud enough, but respectful enough to be able to move the needle on some things that absolutely just rock my soul. I love that. And I feel I, that's why when I first read kids these days, that's what I really appreciated about it. Because I remember like there were times where I had to close it to just like sob because it was so like deep. I think it was chapter two or three when you get into the whole thing about the the silo incident and such. I was just like moved. But then like a few chapters later, I'm just cracking up because it's just like that's the the, th- the way to get to people is to like tap into emotion just because of who you are and just like being who you are is important in all spaces. And just, I don't know. I feel like you do a great job. I also feel like we're, we are doing a great job of stroking each other's egos right now. Ah, I'm <laughs> loving this. Everybody else is like, Oh my God, get past the love. Do we have any content here today? Five minutes into this podcast and I'm pregnant with Jody's baby. It's just like <laughs> insane. No, I wanted to talk to you about a couple things though on the podcast that are, that are important to me. I, as a teacher, have always understood that, you know, we have our summers off to survive because this is just such a taxing job. I always say like teachers and nurses, like the things that we go through, it's just like unbelievable and you can't explain it to muggles, but um, (laughs) we do. We have a really important job and having those summers off are important to maybe work your side hustle and make that side cash that you don't make from your pitiful teacher salary. But the most important thing is to like reconnect and recharge with yourself. And here's the truth. I've never had a problem with that. You give me time off, baby, I'm gonna take it. But a lot of teachers, Jody, cannot like step back and they cannot find time to recharge and reconnect. And I was kind of curious, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Like sort of on a psychology level, how important, how important is that for a person in general? Okay, so first of all, I I really, really love that question because I think that is such a good question. But first of all, what I really want to say about that is I I really want to change the narrative a little bit around taking your summers off. Because I think there's a big difference between what if we're talking about this from an emotional or a psychological or a well-being level, we are only okay. if, if, If we're not okay, the kids we serve don't stand a chance. Full stop. And for a long time in education, I'm not an educator. Let me be very clear. So I speak about this from a perspective of child development and trauma and what it takes to be really seen and heard and learn. But here's the thing, we've focused so long in education on literacy and numeracy and policy and what kids need to do well. And the biggest thing we have missed, I think, across North America in particular, is do we look after the people who hold the most precious commodity any of us have? 
Because if you're not okay, those babies don't stand a chance. So you can have the finest curriculum. Everybody can have a Chromebook. You can have Chromebook. You can have shit like flying out of whiteboards and like everybody's dressed as Harry Potter and we're doing all the STEM shit. I don't even know what any of that means. But if the people teaching are not okay, those babies don't stand a chance. They, they will not learn because they, they do not have the capacity to process that information fair. And burnout is real. Oh my God. Okay. So then when, when we talk about the importance of sort of your summers off, here's the deal. There's a difference between the stressor and the stress response, particularly in this post-pandemic phase. We have spent 16 months in a heightened state of arousal. And so many of your listeners have either been teaching their own children at home while they're teaching and holding other people in the community. You have been coming into classrooms where you now have a whole PPE regimen and you're trying to navigate little brains and keeping masks on and, you know, keeping them safe. And, you know, kids are saying and sneezing and, you know, biting their masks and then saying like, I have a sore throat. And everybody goes, oh, no, you don't. No, you take a drink of water. Don't say it. Don't say it out loud. Right. And we're waiting for the next thing to fall while we're worried about our moms and our dads and our caregivers. And we're missing funerals and births and weddings. All of those things that we're supposed, listen, our bodies have been in fight or flight, whether we want to talk about it or not for 15 months. So despite the fact that the school year ends, the stress response doesn't. You're not going to believe this. I have, uh, so I worked with a comic yesterday who opened the show, um, he was fantastic, but he was telling, he's a teacher or he, he was a teacher for a very long time. And he was, he opened up to me telling me that his partner went through a lot of fertility things that they had to fight through for a very, for years. And, um, when she finally did get pregnant, it was during COVID and he was teaching in person and went to his boss and said, Hey, there's been a COVID uh, situation in our classroom. Obviously I'm going to, take a, a bit of time off because I can't risk bringing this to my wife as she's pregnant with their child. And this is like very important with us. And the principal had the audacity to say to him, Oh, you're, you'll be fine. Can you believe that? Oh, my heart. Can you believe that? Like, do you even understand? Like, did he even process like what that would do to the person who's supposed to be taking care of not only the kids at the school, but his unborn biological child, like it blew my mind what people it, expect of teachers. It blows my mind what people expect of teachers. And here's the other thing I will add. And again, this is because, I mean, I want to hold space for for this man who's incredibly, I mean, I can't, I, the fertility issue is, is so heavy. Here's what we forget, right? Is that that administrator probably also had the weight of the world on their shoulder. And I, I'm not excusing actions in any way. Dude, you, this is why you're a better person than me. Like, <laughs> I can't even, I can't even go there in my no, mind. Like, and, I'm just and, like, fuck that guy. And you, I, as you should, right? And I, and I, and I so appreciate that. I think here's the issue. What happens when we get stressed is we get very divisive in our ways of operating. Like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Which is, you should. Like, that is the immediate reaction. Do not ever feel guilty for that because that is the issue. And as I step back and look at this higher place, it's so much about relationship knows no hierarchy. Relationship knows no color or gender or any of those things. And everybody is fighting this unbelievable battle at a different level. We've never before entered a global stressor. 
in your lifetime and mine, we've never experienced a global stressor. We all, and when you have multiple other things on your plate, the first thing is like, ah, we're good. We're good. We're good. We marry Poppins as your term, which I, I stole. Yes, yes, we yes. Marry you can have it. Poppins the fuck out of everything because we can't stand the distress. If that guy goes home, what the fuck? I got to get a sub. What if the sub comes in? Oh my God. So the, the response is you're fine, which is not, I mean, there's no thought in that moment about his baby his wife, his struggles, because there's probably 877 things on this. I, I truly believe that most people I've come across with, in fact, I've never met a bad kid. I've assessed and treated over a thousand in this country. I've never met a bad kid. I, I, I've sat in jail with kids. I've sat in locked uh, psych, psychiatric inpatient units with kids. And I've also never met anybody in the school system who intended to hurt children or who really wanted to hurt their staff. They, We all get into these places of complete overwhelm where then our resources to actually have empathy or kindness are fucked, which is why right now in the season, everybody's chippy. Everybody what? is like at the end of their ropes. I don't mean, I don't mean to be that person, but I do kind of want to like challenge the thought process a little bit too, because I have read a lot of what you've done about, I've never seen a bad kid. And I hear a lot of teachers say there's no such thing as bad kids. And personally for me, I sort of believe like, we should recognize that there is badness within some children, but what's important is to understand why it's there and reflect on the fact that it's not a reflection on you as the teacher. They're not doing this to you as a person. They're doing this because of like some innate trauma or something what's going on internally with them that is exposing behaviors or attitudes that are labeled as bad. So I think that's where a lot of the times too, when, when teachers start to say like, there's no such thing as bad kids. It's that sometimes makes me, I'm like, girl, yeah, you let, just, as long as you understand why it's there, that if you don't, if you're just labeling them as bad and writing them off, that's where the problem is. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you understand like right now, I know your listeners can't see this, but your shirt says love empathy. Here's the definition of empathy is it is suspending judgment temporarily. It is not about condoning or supporting. When when a kid is telling you to fuck off, when they're flipping- Say that one more time. Empathy is- Temporarily suspending judgment and stepping into somebody else's shoes. I have chills. Keep going, sorry. It does not mean you condone, support, or believe. And the less you are able to identify with somebody, the harder it will become- to empathize. Do you understand? I do. Okay. So when we call other people to have empathy, it means somebody, it is not a skill we are born with. You have to have experienced it in order to give it away. So if you see a kid in your classroom who is in grade seven and has never had anybody say, tell me more, what is it like to be you? What is the hardest part? I understand. They cannot do that for somebody else. When they have been told that they're assholes or that like, fuck you or get to your room, uh, you're an idiot, primarily because likely their parents have also experienced trauma in some way or, you know, abuse, neglect, whatever those things, right? Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. you you don't just do that if you haven't experienced, if you haven't had to start. Does it condone it? Not a fucking chance. Do I allow that? Do I allow you to treat me that way? No, it's not if I'm going to have that discussion, it's when. And oh, I am God. so much better able to handle that when I can take a step back. When I know your story, Joey, when I know that kid's story, it doesn't condone it. You cannot bring a gun to school and threaten to hurt other people. Not a chance. I want to know why. And when I know why, I can then look you in the eye and say, look at me, honey. 
tell me the story. How did we get here? And then, you know, I, I, can I tell you the story real quick? It's, it's, it's a story in teachers these days because that's the second book that we have. But I, this is how powerful this is to me. I have a, a, a story in there. We, we called teachers to tell us some of the things that, you know, changed their lives. And this woman said to me, um, I had this kid in kindergarten and he walked into my classroom. He was the most beautiful little boy out of control all the time. Oh my gosh. And something about him, I just fell in love with. And he stayed in our school for the next five years. I would always see him in the classroom. He was always in the office, always suspended, always things were happening to him. It was really remarkable. She said, I, I, there was a time in our school then that it got broken into and completely ransacked. My classroom didn't get touched. In fact, the door was closed but everything else got broken, windows, computers, all these things. And she said, it was so remarkable to me, but I just thought, anyways, didn't think much of it. Five years after that, she took a new position where she was assessing kids and she had to assess this one student who was in jail. She went to a detention center and in walked this little boy who is now 15 years old. And he said to her, they, their eyes met, they recognized each other. And she said, oh my goodness, how are you? And he said, it's been tough. It's been this, but like, fuck that, whatever. And then they had this conversation and, and um, he said, can I tell you something, Miss S? And she said, yeah. He said, do you remember that day, that time when that school got broken into and everything got ransacked? Um, she said, yeah, I do. And he said, that was me. That was me and my people. And I met with them and I said, do not touch her classroom. She is amazing. And so I shut that fucking door. And if anybody stepped into that classroom, I was going to fucking kill them. She, he said, thank you. She said, the next time I saw that baby was when he was laying in his casket. No. And she said, that day we danced for him because so few people did. And she said, that is why we do our job. Oh, my God. Joey, like, I got you don't know how credibly important you are and how much empathy matters to kids. It doesn't mean that we condone it and, and how much empathy matters to our staff. Right now, your staff <sighs> is likely a bunch of fucking assholes because they're exhausted and overwhelmed and they're trying to make their keep their pregnant wife safe while they've worked so hard to get that baby. And and your your administrators try to keep their staff safe and they have 55 parents and blah, 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 blah. All of this thing, the only way we survive this life intact is to do our very best to give it away. It's not about self-care anymore. It's about how much we are capable, able to give it away in some of our hardest moments. Fair? Talk to me. Yeah. The, I mean, this just reminded me, I think I even said this on the last podcast, and I'm, it's all bringing it up to me now. I remember when I read um, Kids These Days, I think I told you this before, when I read Kids These Days, the very first, I had to put it down for a second because I was overwhelmed with this emotion of, I wish I- yeah. And I said, I wish I had this book one year earlier because when I read Kids These Days, I had already left teaching because I, you know, I took some time off yep. for me. And it was the hardest year of my life I had. I was completely unsupported by administration. I won't say completely, but not to the standard that I needed to be. And I had some, I had some very specific kids who had, they were very, very intense that drove me to burnout. And I wasn't able to connect. I wasn't able to be an empathetic teacher. Yep. And I remember reading students, uh, kids these days and thinking, damn, I wish I read this when I was in that moment because it, I like needed those words and I didn't get it from anywhere. But you just said that you're currently, we might be done with it, working on the next edition, which is students these days. Teachers these days. Teachers these days. Yeah. Get like, 
obviously I need it. What's what, how is that going to be different from kids these days? Right. So the deal with kids these days is I, I mean, I, I spent 10 years on a locked psychiatric inpatient unit for, with, with kids. I came to a small town. I had three children in two years with, uh, my amazing husband, but I was so overwhelmed and started a private practice consulting with schools because I, the, the, the kickers, the hitters, the biters, the ones that tell you to fuck off. I love those babies. I love them because I'm not in the classroom with them every day. I couldn't do what teachers do because my favorite part of my day is when I deliver my children to the classroom. Okay. Cause you guys are really heroes in my mind. And so I would take on the really tough cases. And then I wrote a book about it. Here's what I want you to consider as you spend more waking hours with kids than their parents do. Here's what I want you to consider. So that went on into the world things. We got great feedback about it. And then they said, but listen, as teachers, we need strategies. How about you partner with a teacher who can really say, this is what it looks like. Okay. So one of my favorites, a good friend of both of ours, Mrs. Mac, Lori McIntosh uh, is a kindergarten teacher. And she said, uh, I love. It was also on Ellen. Yeah. Just like Like me. Yeah. (laughs) And so she said, of course, I'd love to write a book with you. She said, but listen, we're two white straight women. I teach kindergarten. How the fuck are we representative of how the things were? And I said, let's, let's put a call out to this amazing community to give us stories similar to the one I just shared with you so that we can use this as a real place to land for everybody to the best of our capacity. And so then we wrote teachers these days based on stories and then strategies of how that relates to in the classroom. While we keep in mind, racism, trauma, grief, all the things that are on your plate that really there's no script for in this institution of education. 75% of all mental illness that will show up in adulthood will be present by grade 12. Our biggest intervention must be in our school systems and there's no infrastructure for it. So that is the point of teachers these days to start to talk about those hard conversations and put it in a way that just is like, okay, that what can I do about that? What can I do about that? Uh, let me consider this, this, and this. So that's how we set it up. And it's not out yet. It comes out on August 21st. And I know that- Okay, you know, wait, if it's coming out, if it's coming out August 21st, then we're going to have an opportunity to talk about it again when I come to Relit. Ah, because here's the thing. I, I mean, I love you, you know this, but I, it is a, it's a holy day for me, August 21st, because it's Relit, where we're going to bring a lot of people together in this community and fill up the hearts of teachers. And I also wanted to launch the book that day. So Lori and I are going to launch the book that day. Oh, nice. You and I are co-hosting Relit. It's going to be just a full day of emotion, but really I, I'm, this is a time for me to double down for our teachers because I think this is this this next season of education will probably be the most important of your careers because we will be holding so much emotion. The mental health pandemic is just beginning for our students and for our educators. And my priority right now is our educators, because if you are not okay, these babies won't stand a chance. For those of you who are unfamiliar, relit is a conference directed towards teachers. Mm-hmm. Or is it really open for any for anyone? Yeah, I mean, it really is. I think it started, this is our fifth year doing it. And I just started like in the beginning, like taking stages saying to teachers, like, come in, let, if, you know what? If you're free, join me for a day. I'm going to speak about trauma and grief and, you know, what I think you need to know and just how important you are as you step back into the classroom. Okay, let's fill your soul up right to the brim because we know by June, I've never met a teacher who is not like fucking done. So how do we like mitigate that and like extra overfill you in August so that like, let's hope that you have like even a a third of a tank left by the time we get to June. How about we try that? Okay, so that's what it started out as. And then last year uh, we had you, you and I sat at the table. You were our special guest. You were our, you know, by COVID, we did the, you know, happy hour. Everybody loved you. We need Joe. 
So this year we expanded it. We're doing a virtual conference again. We're going to have a little in live, you know, um, portion. So you're going to be with me physically uh, in the same room, which I cannot wait for. Me too. And uh, we're going to do it in a school with a really small audience of, you know, 50 people. Um, but we're going to actually do it in Westmount Junior High, which is a um, it's in a really tough neighborhood in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We're going to broadcast to the world from that space. And um, I'm just I'm so grateful for it. And the only point to me is I've invited some people to the table who I feel like can really fill up the souls of teacher uh, Hamish Brewer. Coach Carey, who is this like phenomenal woman, two spirited couple, James and Anthony, who won Amazing Race, Amazing Race Canada, and uh, they're phenomenal, uh, you know, indigenous, brilliant, brilliant souls. And so we're gonna, and then of course Lori and I are gonna be there to talk about teachers these days and you know classroom things. And so it's it's gonna be ah, I can't even tell you. And so I'm I'm and I'm super excited to change my position from last year to be hosting that is that is really cool that's uh, i love hosting hosting is what it's, it's what i do baby it's what you do I'm where not, can people go if they want to come well it, you know what you just you can attend here. virtually right like anybody can attend it's virtually virtual. yeah and and that's the point right like how do we create this safe place where we can fill teachers up um and and educators and here's the definition of a teacher for me anybody who imparts wisdom and mm-hmm. so we definitely i mean we've had lots of conversations about should we have called it educators these days but the definition of a teacher is i think we don't understand our power um some of my best teachers were my custodians and my eas and my hockey coaches and the mom who was the secretary at my school from kindergarten to grade 12 my 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 bus driver's name was stan comic he was a crotchety son of a bitch and he picked me up every day from grade three dropped me home every night to grade 12 and i went to his funeral I, I love that guy. And he, I don't think he ever said a nice word to me, but he always had Christmas oranges at Christmas and Halloween gave us an extra big chocolate bar. <laughs> <Love him. laughs> so the bar right now, ladies and gentlemen, as we step into this next season is so fucking low. I am so grateful to be alive in this season. And you just said this before we went on air today about this is a great time for comedy because people need to laugh. You're so grateful to be a comedian. I'm so grateful to just be a human in this season because the only way, I mean, you can get the order of fucking Canada these days by just being nice. Like I buy somebody a coffee in the lineup behind me and they're like, stop, thank you. You find somebody and you call a parent in this season just to say, uh, listen, all I need to tell you today is Zach is awesome. He did this and this today. And I just, uh, mama, I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing something right. Right. Have a good day. She's like, I'm, I'm calling the principal right now. You need a raise. Right. The bar's so fucking low. All we need. And I say this to our community all the time. Just be fucking nice. Okay. Right. Just be fucking nice. Just give it away. It will come back to you 87 fold. And it, it is, I, I cannot wait to step into this next season. I really can't. Like I am, I'm so grateful for um, what we're fixing to do. And it's going to, there's going to be so many hard conversations, but I'm so fucking here for it. I love it. And I hope people, I hope people have a chance to check it out in a comment to also get relit off that energy. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You know, um, Jody, I love you. I love having you on the podcast. Um, the first third timer, where can <laughs> people go to find you? Where can they find more about you? Where can they consume all things Dr. Jody Carrington? Uh, Dr. Uh Instagram is one of my favorite places to hang out, which is Dr. Jody Carrington as well. And um, we're on Facebook. And, and she's a funny, funny lady on Instagram. So be prepared if you're unfamiliar. Buckle up. It's the theme. 
yeah, Joey, thanks for having me. I so love everything that you're doing. And um, I'm so grateful you're such a huge supporter of me and this message. So thank you. Thank you. As promised, huge shout out to all our newest Patreon members, Haley Schmidt. Haley, I know I missed your name. I'm so sorry, my girl. Thank you so much for being a Patreon member, Haley Schmidt. Devin V, Camille Wright, Rebecca Showkite, Megan Lutz, Marsha, just Marsha, Tracy Notch, Hannah L, Emily, just Emily, Pam Isaacs, Catherine, just Catherine, Rachel Crespo, and in case it's Raquel, Raquel Crespo, Aaron Seja, Kelly McDaniel, Paul Holt, hey Paul, April Hunter, Mariah, just Mariah, Claire O'Quinn, Michelle Trent, Melina Santiago, Jesse Lovesquay, and I hope I didn't mess that one up too much, Jesse. Michaela Noel, Andre, just Andre, Katie Walker, Katie T, Dorota Hyrenesic. Dorota, you wrote me and you said, I can't wait to hear you butcher my name. This is what I did. I sat here for 15 minutes and I was like, Hyrenesic, Hyrenesac, Hyrisniac, Hyrenesic. Girl, just thank you for your grace. Kathy Leathers, Julia Laug, Amanda McMahon, Rachel Pence, Marissa Friesen, Grace Wolf, Michelle Pinda, Shelby Steinmeier, Kimberly Ann Bowser, Heather Fast, or maybe Fast because there's two A's, and Marcy Reed. Thank you guys so much for being Patreon members. I super appreciate your support. And again, you can support the podcast too by becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash Joe Dombrowski for only five bucks. I love each and every one of you Patreon members or not. And I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.